and now we're live and I'm hitting record. <laughs> I have multiple recordings for this. Um, and we're live as well. Let me just pull up Thursday I to the stage and speaker. Right. Okay. So I think it's time for us to officially get started. Welcome everyone. And we're going to do this like this. Nope. Yeah, if you're listening to Thursday I, you know the sound. Hopefully, you're subscribing Apple or Spotify or somewhere else. Welcome everyone to Thursday I, our special edition for Thanksgiving. Um, my name is Alex Volkov. I'm an AI evangelist with Weights and Biases, starting from a couple of weeks ago. This is very brand new. And the additional thing that we now have is this like higher production quality, I guess. So I've been playing around with the setup and I'm very, very happy that we got there. And so hopefully this will be a better show for everyone here. And we're going to have a few more folks joining us uh, later. But for now, it looks like I'm just going to have to cover the open air stuff for you. And then I want to bring up Safir, if you want to come up, let me know and just request. Uh, I would love to chat with you about some of the video stuff if you saw. And Akshay as well, if you want to come up. Robert, you're welcome to come up as well. And um, we're going to talk about OpenAI first because obviously everyone, everyone experienced whatever this insanity weekend was. Um, but that's not all. So OpenAI, besides the insanity weekend that we had with OpenAI, there's a bunch of other stuff with OpenAI that we had. And we probably should cover them as well. Although I'm not sure that I will be the right person to talk about Q <laughs> or Q star. But there's also that. Uh, they also launched a bunch of stuff. And everybody else launched some stuff as well. It looks like many of the AI companies started like, um, how should I say, really stressed out before the weekend and, and send a bunch of stuff. Okay, so we're going to start with the open AI drama. As, we, as we're getting a few more folks on stage, and then I will just say hi. Hey, actually, what's up, man? How are you? Thanks. Uh, congratulations on your new role at Bates and Bashers. It was amazing when I saw your tweet. Thank also, you. happy Thanksgiving. And yeah, it's been crazy past two days. Like, I remember I was sleeping and I beat up and she said, when is fired. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, last week he was in our space, right? and then he's fired. So, he was in our space last week. It was crazy. I don't know. He didn't talk, but like we tried to get him up. But he definitely, definitely stepped into the space. Uh, thanks, Akshay, and welcome. And uh, Raj, I want to say hi to you as well. And we're going to get going. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. Thursday is global. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening. And uh, we have folks from all over the place. And I think this is one of the points. So, um, all right, folks, I think it's actually, I think it's time to start talking about the OpenAI stuff. So I think for us, for everyone uh, out of us on Twitter, I'm not going to go to the whole play to play, play by play because a lot of stuff happened in a very short period of time. But we're going to talk about like the main things. So what we know is that Sam Altman got fired by the board, which was ridiculous. Uh, one of the craziest firing of a, of a CEO of a company and I think he was on the board as well, by the board in recent like memory, probably. Um, very, very bad uh, show from the board. Basically, they kind of they put up an announcement and everybody got really surprised. 
And one of the things that was very surprising and showed how much this wasn't like very prepared is specifically the announcement that talked about him not uh, having trust on the board, but also the biggest investor in OpenAI, Microsoft, with like $11 billion or so, they knew about this one minute before we all knew about this on Twitter. And and just like for folks who don't follow corporate America, that doesn't usually happen. This would made it so weird. It doesn't usually happen. Usually, uh, you know, when, when somebody talks about a... <laughs> um, like a leaving CEO or departing CEO, they usually like he chooses to focus on his family. This is usually the language. So to see like we don't have trust in this guy, um, this was like very shocking to all of us on on Friday. Um, and then everybody who was glued on Twitter, uh, glued to Twitter for the update stream, it was just like one update after another. It was impossible to to stop watching and and following all of this. Specifically, uh, so let's go to the motions. So Sam Altman got fired by the board. Uh, Greg Bockman came out. Greg Bockman was um, the co-founder and I think he's not a CTO, but like he's very high up there, co-founder, chairman of the board. He got removed as chairman of the board and uh, he then quit and said, I quit because of this. Uh, there's actually now a few screenshots of employees on OpenAI that tried to send them a Slack message. And you know, this like Slack says this account was deactivated and, and they're like, oh, what's going on? Um, and uh, the board also announced Mira Murati, who was previously the CTO, as the interim CEO. And uh, it sounded like Ilya Sotskover, the head scientist, the chief scientist of OpenAI, was the one to deliver the news via a Google Meet. So folks, if you get a text, a random text from somebody who you work with or maybe you report to, and it's a Google Meet link with no explanation, don't go. <laughs> don't, don't go there. Um, and uh, Ilya Satskover, who is also co-founder, apparently kind of delivered the news. And then uh, all of Twitter sleuthing started to happen. And many folks on Twitter started thinking, hey, who's this board? Why are they like firing? What's going on? And there's a bunch of uh, research into that. And, uh, you know, speculation is flying because why would they appoint Mira Murati as an interim CEO? Was she in on the, like, the whole thing? Nobody knew anything. And then very quickly, all of it started happening on Twitter, specifically where Sam Altman posted, uh, I love you all. And the first letters of that spelled out Ilya. And then everybody, the conspiracy theorists jumped into conclusions about this specific thing. And... How should I say? Mira Murati then quickly, quickly showed uh, where her allegiances lie with Sam Altman because Sam posted the thing and all of the employees on OpenAI. This was like the hearts. If, if you guys remember the hearts, everybody was like reposting his one tweet that says, I love the OpenAI team, which is like a bunch of hearts. Uh, I have a, a Twitter list that I collect of OpenAI folks. And during that night, the, the Twitter list that I had was like 30 folks. Now it's like 120. It was very easy to know who's an OpenAI employee because everybody was reposting hearts from Sam Altman. Um, and so very quickly, Sam started negotiating back his position with the board. So this was like Saturday and Sunday, I want to say. There was ultimatums. By 5 p.m. today, we have to make a decision. And they blew past the ultimatums. And still, nobody knew coming to the weekend, uh, out of the weekend, if Sam Altman is going to be back or not. The board was held. Uh, then when Mira, Mira Murati flipped as an interim CEO, they hired a guy who was ex-Twitch, um, to be the interim CEO instead. And he's now on his profile, it says, I've been the shortest interim CEO in this like uh, 54 hours total. Um, and negotiation happened and suddenly Microsoft also stepped into the negotiation because again, even though they don't have a controlling vote on the board, they did invest a lot of money. But not only that, they provide the compute. 
uh, and they provide the compute for OpenAI, and you know you, you just don't do this to this partner. However, Microsoft both negotiated the whole thing and also said, "Hey, if this doesn't work out, Sam Altman may join uh, Microsoft and a specific uh, kind of copycat of OpenAI within Microsoft, and the, you know, and Greg will join. So instead of like opening a new endeavor, just come and this will be waiting for you." And obviously, the Twitter commentary said they basically bought whatever OpenAI for free because they already have access to the AP because of the licensing. And so there, there's this whole maybe five hours during this that like, hey, Sam Altman and Greg Buckman are not ever going to use Google Meet. <laughs> they're going to use Microsoft Teams because they're going to join there. Um, there's an iconic image of Sam Altman with a guest badge that came to the offices and said, this is the first and last time I ever wear one of these which could be translated in two ways. This could be, hey, I'm back as a CEO, or this could be, I will never, you know, my foot will never step into this office again, so I won't ever have to wear the guest badge. So it was all murky. It was all crazy. Many people reacting. I think the the, the, the craziest part, not necessarily craziest, but like the most impressive part was this letter that the employees signed, I want to say between Sunday and Monday, a letter that says, hey, we don't have trust in the board, and we're re ready to walk over to Microsoft. If if Sam is not reinstated and Greg is not reinstated, and the letter itself was kind of crazy because I don't ever remember in my history for watching startups in Silicon Valley that so many employees, this just employees wrote like a letter to the board that like we don't have trust in you and vote of basically no confidence. Um, also, you guys got to remember employees are shareholders, especially in OpenAI. Especially in OpenAI, this is relevant because. All of them stand to benefit, many of them stand to benefit from this tender offer that's coming or was about to come uh, until this news and it looks like it's back on track. Uh, so a bunch of employees signed this and then it, in a short period of time, over a weekend, uh, OpenAI is in a resting week as well, right? They were supposed to be after Dev Day. 95% of the employees, so like 735 something, 740, out of the 780 over employees, signed this letter within like five hours overnight. This was just absolutely incredible to see how strong and unified this company is. Because just think about this, just like get that many people to agree on anything, on what toppings on pizza do you want, on, on whatever you do for the next thing. It just doesn't happen that as many people agree to something like this as fast. It was just, just honestly incredible, incredible to see. And... It basically put the board and kind of the folks who made the decision in a disadvantage because uh, the investors were pressing on this and asking questions like, "What exactly did Sam was un untruthful about?" I think they mentioned this in the in the brief um, uh, letter when they released it, and there was questions about other things. We're going to talk about hopefully the, the Q star stuff, and the the board didn't give anybody answers. They didn't give answers to Satya Nadella, who went on CNBC or Bloomberg or, and said, hey, I don't actually know what they mean. And it's their biggest investor. They didn't give answers to Vinod Kosla, which is like one of the first investors in all this. Uh, apparently, some of the U.S. government got involved in this because just, you know, it's a potentially security risk if the whole company quits all of a sudden. So, you know, your security folks who are in charge of protecting the IP will also walk. Suddenly, you know, folks from China can like start sniffing around the, the, the weaknesses around this like company. And so apparently some, some um, you know, U.S. government on Friday reached out to the board. And I, I don't exactly know who, but there was a whole thing with like 
uh, proddings from from different uh, national agencies, let's say. It was a like, very big deal, like, and everybody was obviously watching all this. Um, so after signing the letter and after a few days, um, here's where we're at right now. Sam Altman is going to be back as a CEO. Uh, Greg Buckman is back as well. He reactivated his uh, Slack account. Everybody's very happy because, you know, folks can send him messages. Um, Ilya also kind of flipped. Ilya quote tweeted Sam's um, tweet about coming back and said, I'm very happy about this. And, um, and then it looks like Ilya is back now. Mira obviously is back as well. And uh, none of the three co-founders, neither Ilya or Sam or Greg Brockman, as far as I know, are currently back on the board. And the board consists of a few other folks, Larry Summers, Yes, Larry Summers, uh, and and um, some other folks as well. I think, I forget the one name, but there's like a one legendary board member in the Valley that now sits on OpenAI board. Adam D'Angelo from Quora, who was part of the original board, I think he's the only member from the original board who's still on board here. And basically, there's a few winners to this, and, you know, many, many people need, potentially like need, <laughs> you know, <laughs> therapy after this weekend. Um but uh, th there's a few implications here, and I would love actually to like ask uh, you know Raj on stage maybe implications as well once uh, once we're gonna start talking about this. But to first of all, Microsoft is a great winner in this. Everybody kind of says, hey, no matter the outcome, Satya would win. Now, uh, if OpenAI goes back to business, obviously Microsoft just had a day before this. Microsoft had their, we talked about this last Thursday. Microsoft had their Ignite conference, and they basically announced Copilot everything. So everything in Microsoft is now powered by OpenAI technology, right? You just don't like announce this and then let go of the power for this because, like, imagine how many enterprise customers uh, are trusting Microsoft with, with with their stuff, and so they need OpenAI to keep keep innovating. Um, but also, if they walked, they would probably walk over to Microsoft. There was this famous tweet that. Um, Mark Benioff tried to hire a few folks from OpenAI publicly over Twitter, and somebody said, hey, uh, with all due respect, we don't think that um, AGI is going to be built by the company that builds Tableau. And this was like a funny tweet, but basically it said, after that, we, we're with Sam, and wherever Sam goes, like we're going to go. And this was, it felt to me, after watching many OpenAI employees, this was the, the feeling. And so... Microsoft would be the place, and so Microsoft tended to 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 win basically in either way. Uh, although, I think there's a bigger winner in all this, and I think the bigger winner is, and most of our friends here know what we talk about often, which is open source AI, and uh, folks from News Research, folks from Alignment Labs, folks folks from um, Skunkworks, um, and all, all these folks, they were the biggest winner to me, specifically because. If anything, this weekend showed that OpenAI is uh, an incredible like team that works, an incredible technology as well, but it's not infallible and it's not always there because in addition to all this, they also had the downtime during this and they had downtime last week as well. And many people started thinking, oh, we need we need a solution to when they're down or what happens if like the next board meeting, whatever. So many people started thinking about, okay, OpenAI is great, how do we make sure that our business keeps going, even if their you know, decision-making by the board or whatever happens to interact with our business? And many of these questions ended up in you know, Open Hermes 2.5 from, from News Research from Technium. Uh, many of these questions ended up in uh, probably other labs like um, um, 
Claude from Anthropic and Inflection and all these folks like started releasing and, and talking about so many many of the businesses and the API folks they started saying hey how do we actually fall back what what do we do when we're like on OpenAI's APIs can we fall back will it be with the same quality and I think that after that conversation many folks got to uh, open models Raj go ahead yeah, basically, uh, one of the things that uh, I don't know whether you noticed um, over the weekend when um, the OpenAI uh, APIs and ChatGPT basically went down for quite a few hours, um, we, so we, as you know, we use the Azure OpenAI uh, APIs for most of our projects. And we had no problems with those APIs. So we even got in touch with some of our clients and in my circle as well, the tech circle as well. And none of them who were using the Azure OpenAI uh, APIs had any kind of problems or any kind of latency issues or anything. So it was quite surprising that the problem that happened was very, very focused and isolated within the OpenAI uh, setup only. So that was kind of weird for me. And um, as far as the um, one of the one of the funny things, and I don't know whether you know about that um, or or you have noticed that. So if you remember, Sam used to carry that blue backpack, and I'm really interested in knowing whether he was carrying after <laughs> after uh, resigning or after being fired from from OpenAI. So if anybody has seen him carrying that backpack, that would be interesting. Yeah, there was a meme with Sam Altman carrying the backpack everywhere, where it could be the the button that controls AGI. There was this meme, and I think he played into the meme. I haven't seen the backpack in Dev Day, and I definitely didn't see the backpack in the picture of him kind of coming as a guest to to OpenAI. Uh, there was a picture of him taking a selfie, and then there's another picture of somebody like from the side sh showing this exact moment. There was, as far as I know, no backpack there, um, and. Yeah, so the media actually celebrated. Yeah, go ahead, actually, and then we'll continue. Oh, I, I wanted to basically, you know, talk about this whole thing in the contrast. Right? I guess this whole story happened not because OpenAI got some groundbreaking technology, and we know we'll discuss Star later. But I believe it's some kind of power struggle where Microsoft was heavily involved, and you, you notice, right? Like everything was so well timed. For example, the outage that we talked about, right? APM was down. It was down for the exact time when the Sam was going to negotiate uh, as a guest, right? And then image shares came for like about 24 hours or 48 hours or so. Uh, basically like a mediator from outside and mediated both the parties and uh, arrived at a solution. And then, you know, the politics was resolved and then everything was back together. Like right now, uh, chat GPT or GPT-4 API, everything is working perfectly fine. But it was down for exactly, you know, those moments when everybody was signing to resign and everybody was threatening OpenAI. I think all of it was a kind of a power struggle where Microsoft was very heavily involved. So, so, so that's uh, what I wanted to mention. Actually, I will, I will say this. Um, the They also shipped to this. So thanks for the comment, definitely. I, I just want to be very careful not going into conspiracies here because, like, we're trying to report on what actually happened without going too much into, like, why we think this happened as much as possible, right? But I will say this. Uh, they also shipped to this weekend. So everybody, without knowing what's going on, without, like, many people in the office, this is their off week. They still shipped something fairly incredible, which I think was potentially, like, the, the, the reason for the outage rather than some, some uh, nefarious kind of thinking on their part. As far as I'm concerned, they shipped something incredible, folks. And if you haven't yet tried the voice um, interface to ChatGPT, they decided to release this to everyone who 
who doesn't pay. So non-premium customers as well. So if um, if you pay the 20 bucks a month and if you come to Thursday and you don't pay the 20 bucks a month for ChatGPT, come on, guys, what are you doing? Like, just like, just upgrade. It's, it's worth it. It's 20 bucks. It's not that much. But like the stuff that you'll get will be incredible. You're going to get our GPTs, for example. Uh, you're going to get the ability to create your own GPTs. You're going to get all these like incredible things, right? DALI, et cetera. Just, just pay the, the 20 bucks. Um, however, for those who don't or can't, which is fine, um, they didn't get access to this like incredible new modality where you can talk to ChatGPT. And it's incredible. It really is incredible. It changes the, the way you interact with these models, specifically because you can close your phone, put it in the headphone, and keep talking to it while you go about your day, while you wash dishes, while you mow the lawn, while you prepare your Thanksgiving dinner. You can you can just keep talking to it. Or, for example, as you prepare the turkey, you can talk with ChatGPT and say, hey, what's the next step? And it will tell you what's the next step in preparing the turkey. Um this mode is incredible. If you haven't tried it, there's like a little icon that looks like headphones on ChatGPT. And this used to be only for premium customers. And they shipped it to everyone for free. And I don't know, they have like more than 100 million users at this point. I think it was like clear that OpenAI got to 100 million users or whatever active. So it's an immense, immense engineering effort. So I, I, I've talked with some folks and they said, hey, it's probably like a flip switch to enable this also for, you know, for non-premium customers. Like, well, yeah, it's probably like a feature flag for them, but it's also this like incredible intensity on their servers because all the free users will start having a WebSocket connection to their voice and their Whisper servers were going to start like cranking out. Like, So it's not that simple. It's like an incredible engineering feat, imagining how many people they have. And during this uncertainty, during not having Greg over there, who everybody relies on for technical stuff, during that nobody knows who's the CEO, there's an interim CEO, all these things... They still shipped it, and I think once they shipped it, they they got a little overwhelmed with the traffic. That's that's my take on this because this happened almost immediately after the, the shipping. However, this is a Thanksgiving episode, and you know we're gonna start with with, with giving thanks. So huge thanks to OpenAI. OpenAI for me personally was like one of the reasons I got into AI way back uh, with GPT three. I want to say definitely Codex. When I, when I heard about Codex, uh, my whole life changed. Uh, I have like a those of you who were here two a week ago with Idan from GitHub Next, when uh, Codex released and then Copilot released after built on Codex, me and Idan had a conversation about a public conversation about um, will Copilot replace <laughs> engineers? And so t two years in, it's not replacing engineers; it's helping everyone. So huge thank you to OpenAI, to the team, to Sam um, for all the stuff that we got. Uh, also, all the drama. Some people really enjoyed it. Some people were saying, "Hey." Sports fans, is this like like that for you guys every week? Because <laughs> many of us, we don't watch sports, right? Like this was like the equivalent for us. Raj, go ahead and then we're going to move on. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to take the opportunity. Like I'm also thankful. And and just like you, uh, one of my intense interests in LLMs, uh, as you know, I come from the traditional machine learning side, uh, mostly time series and temporal data. And what got me really interested in LLMs was uh, the 2016 now famous interview or rather discussion between Elon Musk and Sam Altman. So basically Elon and Sam basically uh, are the people who actually, um, you know, their talk actually influenced me to look at the LLMs from a different perspective and start looking at that from an AI candidate basically. So we are not there yet in AI, but it kind of turned into an AI candidate. So you know, yeah, I'm also like, I would say if you, if you can afford $20 a month, this is the best investment that you can make. And just in the same breath, I wanted to add one more thing. Imagine uh, 
what will happen when they start uh, giving you an ability to talk to GPTs using voice mod? That would be an amazing functionality. You can you can do it right now. It works. No, you cannot do it right now. So you cannot invoke GPT. But Im imagine if you can invoke GPT, because then what will happen is that your interaction with uh, with GPT would be uh, voice based, and that would open up a whole new functionality because GPTs can be focused on a subject. So right now you have to work uh, when you start communicating with a uh, with chat gpt you need to bring it on the track so you need to give a context and then your conversation really starts picking up so there are some techniques that i have developed and some techniques i've seen other people develop also in terms of uh, you know voice related uh, or voice interaction basically so uh, if gpt has become uh, part of the voice uh, a voice chat then it will become extremely powerful because Raj, then you can, what you can do is, I have sorry, a, go ahead. I have a Thanksgiving gift for you, brother. It works. It works amazing. And I definitely did this with my kid and I talked with my visual weather GPT. Oh, so you can, you can. Alex, no, wait, wait. Yeah. You can, you can talk to GPTs now, like custom GPTs? Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> Actually, it's going to leave the stage and go run and talk with GPTs. Folks, okay, you can talk to custom GPTs as well. Not only that, I think you can... Um, there's a difference when how GPT react, uh, reacts when you talk to it uh, via voice. You can prompt it to be voice uh, specific. And so I definitely talked with my kid. I prepared the GPT. And here's a Thanksgiving tip for you. If you have small kids that cannot type, but you want them to try out the AI, you can build a GPT for them. They will wait. They will make sure that, you know, if if, uh, if it cuts out in the middle of a sentence and their, like, automatic speech recognition kicks in and the kids, you know, are still waiting to... That's what happened with my five-year-old kid. You can prepare a GPT that, like, is five-year-old, like, um, maybe that's what we should do. Yeah, we'll probably do this for Thursday. We're going to release this. Uh, a a five-year-old GPT, like a GPT for five-year-olds. You definitely can talk to GPT. You can't invoke them, right? So you can't, like, like Siri, you can say, like, hey, and it will wake up and then you talk to it. We're not there yet but you definitely definitely use the voice mode yeah go ahead and then um we'll move yeah alex thank you <laughs> okay so i need to thank you as well because you are the one who actually is animating this so you know at the conclusion we'll I'll, i would definitely thank you but i wanted to take this opportunity to organize for organizing this because this is a fantastic space and and this is where you get these new ideas you know so uh learn something already from you Thank you so much. Thank you for the shout out. And definitely, definitely the whole concept of imagination unlocking. It comes from the community of people who work together. Uh, and uh, thank you for being here as well. I learned a bunch from you as well. You and, and actually and many other folks on the stage, uh, like folks like the open source community, definitely. I see Peter uh, from uh, RoboFlow in the audience who talked to us about vision stuff. So uh, Simon in the audience as well, Simon Wilson, if you're not subscribed to Simon's blog, you're, <laughs> what are you even doing? Definitely go and check this out. Um, one thing on OpenAI before we, before we close out, right? Um, Q star. So yesterday, after everything, and actually, this is the one part that I didn't dive in like super, super deep because I was busy. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me now? I think I disconnected for a second. Um, uh, Qstar is apparently the reason behind the board decision. And Qstar is like a new algorithm for, for I think, search or something, something like that, where um, the co-founder of OpenAI, John... Talked about this uh, a long time ago and uh, actually kind of covered, 
uh, Qstar, uh, and there is a video of Sam a few weeks ago saying there's these moments where you kind of push back the unveilment of uncertainty. And so it looks like Sam was talking about something that's like, you know, shook him. And um, people kind of compare the two things together. So again, here, I don't want to get into conspiracies too much. Like I said to actually myself, I don't know enough. This is not factual. But there was a report, I think, on Bloomberg that said that um, when they found out the board that um, how, how how better QSTAR is at different things or how the small model solves and self um, finds things. I'll, I need to stop here, guys. I'm, <laughs> I don't actually know. Uh, but this was the reason. And everybody on Twitter went into QAnon mode only with QSTAR mode. So I really love something about the letter Q about this. But it looks like appears that this was the reason for this whole endeavor. And uh, we're probably going to hear more about this. And there is a video of one of the co-founders again talking about the Qstar algorithm a long time ago. Um, and so it appears to be the reason, and I think somebody said 100x GPT-4 if, if it like materializes. So I'm going to invite Nistin because I think Nistin was there uh, when they talked about Qstar yesterday. And um, while he connects, I will say thank you for joining us as well. This is the Thursday Eye Spaces. We've been covering OpenAI so far, but it's been 30 minutes, so we're going to cover this a little bit more. And then we have so much more to talk about. So... A little music break, and then we're going to be back. I just need to take a breath. All right, let's go and talk about Qstar. Niston, were you there yesterday? There was a space that I missed, and there were like 25,000 people talking about this. Welcome to the stage, brother. Happy Thanksgiving, although Canadians, I think, celebrate this uh, another time. Yeah, we celebrated early. All right. Yeah, so, I, I don't know how many people. There were over a thousand people in the space, and it it just started off randomly. Uh, yeah, and it looks like it's a way for it to do logic while it's training, and it doesn't have the data. So that's the like that's the, the gist the of five it. Word. Description of it. Yeah. yeah, I think also synthetic data as well, something like that, right? Uh, I would just say this space. I think it was Pharrell, like Farouk space. I saw there was like twenty five thousand, oh, 15,000 people tuned in. <laughs> so it's not a thousand. There's a lot of people waiting on this news and like trying to figure this out. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna cover some more next time once we get some more news. But definitely, there's some videos on this going around from John Schulman, who's a co-founder of OpenAI. Um, we should probably pin this to the top of the space. All right, folks, this is the updates for OpenAI. Yeah. Unless anything else, listen. Yeah, people have some ideas on how to how to recreate it. Uh, it looks like it is a way for it to come up with solving math. Uh, again, this is all up in the air, uh, but people did come up with uh, with some ways of uh, trying to trying to recreate it. One is maybe to use a very small version of Llama and then try to have it uh, reason out uh, math proofs until hopefully its brain rearranges in such a way that it can solve them better. And uh, that also should parallelize very well. Um, another very interesting theory was that this is a lot like uh, Redux in React in the front end as to how it manages state and it it picks like the best state for itself because there's a graph search um, algorithm and the virtual DOM and stuff. So that was another very interesting analogy. Wow. So again, we'll, we'll see. Uh, this was also what me and Yasin 
had discussed like six months ago, like, why don't we just do state management? Just like you're doing Redux. Uh, so again, it's all up in the air. We'll see what kind of experiments play out. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. But overall, it's not like, I, I'm not really sure why people freaked out over it. Maybe because it can kind of train itself now and it's a step towards that. But yeah, overall, we'll, we'll see. So we're not sure why the board freaked out, uh, but I think I have an idea of why Twitter freaked out because, you know, that's Twitter. <laughs> if a reason comes out, everybody like even even my my nickname now is Qstar in, in instead of Eac. I think you you added this as well. Listen, right? Your Qac. Um, Twitter does memes, right? So one other meme that Twitter did is Laundry Buddy. I don't know if you guys tried Laundry Buddy, but uh, you know, there's folks who are saying like Laundry Buddy is AGI, uh, and OpenAI kind of played into this meme, which you gotta love them for it because they said like uh, when there was downtime, they said the whole team is here. You know, the GPT team is here. And then they said, like, Laundry Buddy team is here. And I just, like, found it hilarious that Laundry Buddy, this GPT that people started, like, um, basically shitting on on Twitter suddenly became, like, this mascot of GPTs. And absolutely love this. Um, all right, folks, I think it's time to move on. So, Fri, you had a comment, I think. Uh, you came up as well. Welcome. And um, I think you had a comment on this whole thing. And then we, we're going to move on to open source. Thank you, Not much to comment. Uh I do recommend if you have any friend that somehow did not hear about all of this. I had a chance to meet such a friend yesterday and to tell the whole thing from scratch and just to see the look on someone's faces when they get this all in one package and then you get the rolling breaking news in two days. That is an amazing experience. <laughs> and I will have a about the video models. Okay, so uh, I think it's a fair. And uh, for those friends, you can send them this Thursday episode where we covered everything from scratch in the beginning, and they should probably also sign up. All right, so I think it's time to move on to our favorite corner, and I've prepared something for it. Let me see if I can, if I can have this. Uh, our favorite corner is obviously open source AI. Let's see if I have this thing. Open source AI, let's get it started. All right, folks, we're back with this uh, little sound effect, and we're, we're going to talk about open source, which we covered briefly was the biggest winner, I think, in my case, of this whole saga, because many people watched this and said, hey, how do I continue? So Raj here on stage said one thing. Azure was also, Microsoft was also a winner because Azure basically lets you do the OpenAI stuff. There's GPT-4 and Turbo via the, the Azure cloud. And that did not have any downtime. So this was like OpenAI specific. However, many people started looking around and saying, hey, what if we just want to do our own stuff? And you guys know that if you join Thursday AI, we have many folks, um, Nistens here on stage, I think with Alignment Labs and, and some other folks, uh, we have news research. I'm actually wearing <laughs> the OpenAI Dev Day hoodie that they gave, and below this I'm wearing the news research t-shirt. So I'm kind of friendly with both. And so open source folks started like getting a lot of attention. Friend of the pod Technium, um, shout out to Technium from News Research, is the kind of the fine-tuner of one of the best models out there that's called uh, Open Hermes 2.5. And I just started seeing my whole feed talk about open Hermes, like people who never talked about AI before, definitely not open source AI. And it's just incredible to see how much of that is happening. Also, Alignment Labs are great friends. You know, I've talked with Automata. He said, like, there's a bunch of interest as well in the open source AI. And um, 
the fine tuner community is suddenly getting a lot of attention because some of this stuff, and I, th I find it incredible. And I literally think we need both. We need, um, we need open AI to lead the pack. And then we need like, listen, you just said, right. People start hearing about Q. They start having ideas of how to replicate Q in the open source. So everybody will benefit. And, um, go ahead. Also one of these models is, uh, generally available now, although I just checked and I, I hope the DevOps did not crash. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, um, open chat was, uh, some of it was self-training as well. So, uh, yeah, that was also, but anyway, overall expect these models now to start becoming generally available as uh, we also figure out the DevOps side of things yep. and how to scale it for, for cheap. Yeah. And also on that topic, uh, last week we, we covered this briefly, but we're going to cover this again because Raj, you just said that uh, the Azure APIs didn't go down, but people did look for a fallback and uh, Microsoft announced they love open source in multiple ways. So Satya Nadella actually has a picture. I think we covered this in last Thursday. I, where he's, he stands on stage in Microsoft Ignite and behind him there's a picture, Microsoft heart emoji, open source. And they announced that they will support I think Llama 70B and I think Mistral as well. I don't know if they support the fine tunes in their APIs as well. So you'd be able to very quickly uh, jump between the, the few. Microsoft also released uh, Phi 2 last week. And this week they released Orca. And Orca, for those who don't know, Orca was a was a big deal when Orca 1 was released. And Orca was, I think, a, a fine tune of Llama. Please correct me, folks, if I'm wrong. A fine tune of Llama based on synthetic data from ChatGPT that made it way, way better. And uh, then Orca 2 was released, and uh, unfortunately, it's a little bit underwhelming based on a few folks. So not, not my words, I haven't been able to test this, but definitely Eric um, Thornberg, sorry, Eric, just give me one second, Eric Hartford, and then Tignum as Hartford. well, and uh, Anton Bakaj, like all our like friends of the pod who test these models, I'm still waiting for you know, Raven Wolf, Wolfram Raven Wolf, the, the legendary local llama person who does like a bunch of evaluations to test this. But Microsoft released Orca 2. Orca was a big, big deal uh, back when it was first released. Many people talked about Orca 2. It does not look like it lives up to the hype. Uh, it's a 7B and a 13B parameter model, and it beats Llama 70B, but also do other 7 billion parameters like Mistral fine tunes. So definitely Mistral still holds uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the crown in the 7B area. Um, and also, uh, actually, I think you posted something. You're welcome to pin this to the top of the space where uh, there's a fine tune of Yi. And uh, Yi is a 34 billion parameter model that we've talked about also. And uh, I think Yi chat was released as well. And uh, yeah, there's a bunch of happening in open yeah, source. So, yeah, go ahead, listen. Uh, Mistral is still the best, not just 7B, but 13B. Again, the, this new Orca would have been extremely impressive a couple of months ago because it, it matches and it's better than Llama 13B. But now we're just moving so fast that it's it's being left behind. But again, no one's really tested it at a practical level, so it might, might still be uses there. And uh, Yi, the 34B uh, model from China, the, the fine tunes that are coming out from it, they are... They're not just performing well on the benchmarks, but also when you talk to them and try to use it practically, it feels really, 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 really good. Uh, it's starting to feel better than GPT 3.5. 
uh, and that's the that's the important part here. So uh, yeah, if, uh, I'll, I'll I'll post one of them. Uh, but yeah, I taste I tested one by Miguel. I tested the the Cynthia one. It was it was excellent, and that one's been trained for some tree of thought uh, stuff on top. And also, Nose Research released their own fine tune of it. Uh, so, yeah, the 34B models right now are are really good. So, uh, you kind of have Mistral at 7B for open source, and you have V34 for for fine tunes. Um, yeah. And that those models are very impressive, and uh, like it looks like um, Mistral is still the king in the smaller models. Yi looks to be the king in thirty four. We're still waiting for Mistral to release like the bigger version. Actually, go ahead talk about Intel if you don't mind the the stuff that I posted. Yeah, uh, before that, I was just going to talk, say that Orchid two I found it interesting for the specific reason that it's it's first of all very specialized for reasoning and reasoning alone. If you have used any of the uh, AI models for mathematical uh, solutions before you will know that they're terrible at reasoning, right? Even like I've used GPT-4 recently for mathematics and it does not perform as well, right? So Orbit, I think is very uh, specialized towards reasoning and I think it performs well enough. I ran out of GPUs, so could not actually, you know, use it, use it, but I'll get back to it if I, you know, uh, get time. And the Intel stuff, yeah, like went to a learning phase and the number one open LLM uh, model is a fine tune of Mr. 7P by Intel, which is kind of interesting. So again, just to just to be very clear, not only is the open source community and the fine tuning community took Mistral and put it like up there and gave it like a bunch of synthetic data sets to keep feeding this Intel out of all people, like Intel, like why, who, who even knew that Intel like works on some of this stuff? At least I didn't. I literally actually, until you posted this, this was the first time we ever mentioned Intel in this forum uh, in, in Thursday, I think. And they're now the top fine tune on top of the open, uh, open hug in face uh, data set for big LLMs on top of Mistral. Yeah, go ahead. Also like uh, people who are familiar with Intel's architecture, like I was an Intel user. Uh, a long time, they never supported any open source stuff out of the box, right? They had problems with PyTorch, they had problems with TensorFlow, they had like their hardware itself always had problems with these kind of stuff. But this new model that they've released, the hardware is apparently uh, custom made, but everything works out of the box. The code is given, right? And you can like just copy paste the code and you can just run it and it just works. Like that is, Intel came late. But it is just so perfect, like everything just evolves. It's it's something like how Mistral came, right? They just dropped the magnet link. Intel did something similar. It's, it's crazy, actually. Anybody can go to the link and then, you know, try it. Okay, so, so let's do the Thanksgiving things. Thank you, Intel. Thank you so much for Neural Chat 7B, the fine tune of Mistral. That's like currently the top of Hugging Face. And uh, we're going to say thank you to the Orca team as well. That's not a small thing. It's just like they trained for a while, open source moved fast. But yeah, I think actually we're going to keep testing this, prodding this. We'll see how much how much uh, that will change as well. I think, uh, thank you for Microsoft for mentioning some folks, like the Dolphin dataset, etc. They didn't mention the Open Orca work from Alignment Labs, but that's, you know, that, that's on them. Uh, Raj, go ahead. Yeah, this one, like, I just want to uh, chip in on the, on the Orca too, fine-tuning specifically for reasons. So, um, I, I guess you are aware of it that Microsoft is very much behind Orca 2 for reasoning and um, 
guys like Arindam and, and Ahmed, um, Ahmed Dawadla, I, if I'm pronouncing, I'm not butchering his name. Um, they, they actually did some really good research in terms of how to make Orca reason. So um, there is a space which, um, uh, hugging, hugging face space, not Twitter space or X space, uh, hugging face space uh, hosted by, uh, by Arindam where you can try out Orca 2 uh, for reasoning if you want as, as, a, as a trial. So that's something that is interesting. And as far as fine tuning is concerned, like practically what has happened is that at least in our pipelines, and we are currently running more than 80 different pipelines, um, uh, more than 60 pipelines, we are now uh, completely converted to Mistral. So, and, and uh, on Hugging Face, like there are something like 178 different models, 178, 180 different models uh, for, for Mistral, like based on Mistral, uh, fine-tuned models. So I think Mistral is coming out to be a winner as far as fine-tuning is concerned. I would also say as a company that just recently started Mistral and, you know, raised like millions of dollars, they also came out kind of a winner in this whole open AI kind of situation as well. So definitely, definitely shout out to, to, to Mistral. There's a, two other things I wanted to cover in open source. I was waiting for uh, some folks um, to talk about system to attention. I don't know if actually if you want to cover system to attention, if you saw that paper and thread. And there's also the speculative decoding thing that just like spits out tokens way faster, um, which which also looks looks really good. And Llama CPP is going to, not speculative decoding, it's called something else. Um that you basically saw side by side two videos and one of them, if you implement this method, I think it's going to get into um, Llama CPP very soon and probably into like transformers that you just like, you just see tokens faster, even though they're like doing the same system to attention. There's a paper that says they, they use like a smaller LLM uh, to, to reason about what to attend to or like another process. And, and this like speeds up a bunch of stuff. So I just love these things. I love to cover them with folks who actually kind of, Tell me about them, uh, and we will. Um, but I love these things because, like, we saw the same trick with context extension that became the yarn paper. We saw some of these tricks in different areas as well, and I just wanted to briefly cover them. We'll send them out in the newsletter for those who want to uh, dive deeper. Go ahead, actually, and we'll move on. So I just wanted to add that I think Mistral has recently announced that they're partnering with Cloudflare to now provide their own uh, chat model. Uh, just like ChatGPT and stuff, so that would be cool. Yeah, this was an announcement. I think yesterday from Cloudflare. I think today, maybe even. I think it's today. Yeah, Cloudflare today announced that they're gonna uh, serve with the Cloudflare AI stuff. They're going to serve um, Mistral and I think Llama as well. No, they used to do Llama. I think Mistral now. And um, yeah, definitely a great announcement there for folks who use Cloudflare's AI stuff uh, so far. There haven't been any Mistral there. So it looks like now Microsoft is serving Mistral, Cloudflare is serving Mistral, Intel is finding on Mistral. Do you guys getting it? This is like the, the maybe the European open AI, hopefully without the drama or maybe with. Um, okay, so with this, I think it's time for us to, I think we covered enough of the open source stuff unless I missed some stuff. Uh, and is there anything in the open source area that we haven't covered yet that is very interesting from this past week? Um, other than the two papers, from Pratik and uh, uh, so there was the Lora swapping paper for uh, uh, and that, that was for image image styling and uh, there was also another paper that just dropped from Nathaniel you mean? Yeah. yeah 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 from our Daniel who's, who's been in Thursday I a month or two three months ago and uh, the other one by Pratik is 
very, very interesting because he's also worked on stuff on mixture of experts. And um, he managed to use both sparsifying and quantizing on the LoRa adapters themselves. And this is a big deal because it can make fine tunes be from uh, 200 to three gigs and it can reduce them by 10 times. So this means you could have your main model and then the same as Stral, and then you could have like a 50 megabyte fine tune. But again, you could also have like a hundred of them and it'll only be like five more gigs. So that's, uh, we're, we're going into interesting territory there because it, it kind of means next we're going to have portable MOE models this way. And, uh, yeah, I, I think this is like a huge advancement. Let me find his, uh, I think I, I think I've been paper the, is this yeah. compact. I think it's this paper, right? Uh, yeah, 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 compact. Yeah, so that's uh, gonna, think we're going to send this out and pretty... it's been to the top of the space. Uh, Pratik Yadav is also uh, an open open source fine-tuner. Uh, I don't know which, which org he's with, probably like alignment or news, or tell me. He's, he's with us on, on Skunkworks. Oh, Skunkworks, okay. But again, he's also... Yeah, uh, there's many people on many organizations. It's real hard to remember, but basically we're going to ask them to all like uh, talk. Pratik was here on Thursday as well a couple of weeks ago. I don't know. Time means nothing. Raj, go ahead and we're going to move to big companies and APIs. Yeah, so just to add the last thing, whosoever is on the space, start training your models because you should own your own AI. If you don't own it, somebody else will. It's absolutely easy. And one thing, one particular feature that you can use is auto-train UI from uh, from Hugging Face. If you have tried it, so you can find it on Hugging Face website. It's quite visible. So it's auto-trained. And the best part is that next week, they're launching another feature of auto-train. And you can use auto-train on your local machine. So basically, you don't need to go on cloud. You can use the CPU of your machine and whatever little GPU you have to train a model on your own machine. So it's going to be one of the, I, I'm, I'm waiting for it, and it could be a major groundbreaking change in, in training the, or fine tuning your own models. So we're definitely gonna cover this, thanks Raj. And I would be remiss if I don't say that if you do train your own models or fine tune your own models, there's nothing better than weights and biases to track that train, to track that fine tune. And this is now where I work. So this is partly sponsored, but this is the reality. If you don't own your models, you don't own your models as well. And I will say that you can get the same tools that GPT-4 was used to train because Weights and Biases was used for GPT-4, was used for literally every other LLM besides I think Google is the, is the tagline and very easy to get started. And I will go deeper with Luigi, who's not here and some other folks from the open source community as I learn how to do this. I've never trained or fine-tuned any models. I will start to. And so as I will be learning, uh, you guys are welcome to do this with me. It will be live on video. It won't be just spaces. So feel free to follow for that. Rush, thank you for that. And I think it's time for us to move to the APIs area and uh, talk about big companies because all of them started releasing some stuff and we're going to cover this. Just a very small thing about, so I'm not associated with weights and biases, but I've been using them for a long time. And I think it's it's one of the best platforms, not because Alex, you're there, but really like I like weights and biases even before. And it's it's one of the amazing platforms to track your experiments. You know, it's easy. 
it's very user friendly. So yeah, try it out. And one more, one more Thanksgiving. So thanks to weights and biases, we have been, <laughs> we have been quite benefited from that. Awesome. That's great to hear. I, I'm new here. So I, I'm, I'm able to say, you know, the stuff still from the new perspective excitement. Uh, but definitely thanks for that. It's free, folks. It's just like it's free. And we're going to work on some stuff to make it simpler for you to fine tune and train neural models. So stay tuned. Yeah. If you saw any graphs of, of the training, those were graphs from weights and biases. I, literally everyone in the OSS community has like, 10, 15 of them are like random training runs that either, uh, it's also extremely useful for when stuff fails because it does all your logging and, and things for you and things fail a lot during training. So often it was just like, thankfully you just had turned on weights and biases and it didn't all just go to trash. So you can see what, what part of the training still survived and where you can resume from. So yeah. Thank Thanks you guys. For that. Thank you for bringing this up. I literally wanted like a brief mention and to move on and then, you know, plug in uh, with somebody to the newsletter. But thank you for commenting from the community as well. This is the reason why I joined. Like this this great feedback, the, the positivity, the fact that it's free for the open source stuff, but it's, you know, every other major platform actually uses this, this the tool. And again, we're going to work on a bunch of like um, very intro level stuff so that everybody can, can do this. And I agree with Raj. Everybody should at least try at least if you're a company, you should start thinking about this. And we do see this move from kind of prompt engineering into, hey, I can do rag with prompt engineering. Hey, I can probably fine tune for my rag purposes. And like, hey, I can like fine tune my own models and keep them in my own hardware. So we're seeing this move and, you know, Weights and Biases can help you throughout all of this. And I think uh, with that, I'm going to say thank you to them because they hired me and now I can do this full time. And I'm actually like... Uh, very, very happy to do this uh, as, as as part of my job and happy to meet all of you and continue building this community. So thank you, Ed's Ambassadors. Thank you, Nistin and uh, Raj for, for uh, helping me kind of explain why I joined. And now I think it's time for us to talk about big companies and LLMs. All right, so... Number one on the list of the big companies, LLMs and APIs is Anthropic Cloud. So it's very interesting, right? So Anthropic is, is this great company. It came, um, I want to say, from a previous split. So Dari Amade is actually, he was in OpenAI and I think based on differences, they, they, they got out and like started like Anthropic, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And Anthropic, for the longest time, and in the AI world, longest time means like a few months or maybe three, four months. We've talked about Claude being the longest context window model uh, with a 100K context window for, I want to say, four or five months, right? And I've talked with you guys about this, everybody who comes to Thursday, that I take uh, transcriptions of this whole space. I run it through Whisper and I then, sh like, I, I used to just paste this into Claude and Claude was the only place that could, like, handle all of the all of that text because I think it was, like, 25,000 tokens for the two hours that we speak here. And we speak very fast. Like, this is a dense space and Claude was the only kind of game in town as it came to, like, long, long context besides open source. And we've talked about open source yarn, etc. And uh, when DevDay came around and OpenAI announced GPT uh, for Turbo, with 128,000 tokens in the context window, um, Anthropic decided to say, hey, actually, you know what? When we announced Claude with 100K, we actually support 200K context windows. But 
um, we never released 200k. So now on Tropic, based on the drama and everything, they just like came out with Cloud 2.1, and Cloud 2.1 supports up to 200k uh, contacts window, which is incredible. It's insane. Uh, it supports two twice less hallucinations. However, there's a very interesting thing here. I think they're doing like a little little sli sleight of hand announcement because like it's a like they say. And I don't know what metrics they use for 2x less hallucinations. So it will hallucinate less. But it's four more times as likely to say no to you when you ask it for something. So they also added, um, or deniability, I don't remember quite what it's called, but basically their model can say to you, hey, I don't know. And when it says I don't know, obviously like that's why it hallucinates less. So it's a very interesting slide of hand that they pulled with the metric. However, the, even the I don't know, there's many people that we've talked to that say, I would prefer this any day. I would prefer a model that tells me it doesn't know instead of hallucinating. And I think as software engineers, many of us would also prefer this. We would prefer a model that says, you know, 404, <laughs> not found, instead of just like hallucinating an answer. So that's actually pretty, pretty great uh, from, from Tropic. And uh, they also released like a bunch of prompt engineering um, uh, from theirs. I think they hired Alex... Uh, Alex, I forgot his last name, uh, who's now the like the main prompt engineer uh, in residence in Tropic. And one of their prompt techniques for Cloud.2 is actually tell the model that it can tell you that it doesn't know. The model wants to, re to be very helpful. So if you prompt it in the system message, which also something new that they announced, uh, Cloud didn't have a system message before, and now it does. If you prompt it and say, hey, feel free to tell me you don't know something, then the model will like, gladly do so, which I thought it was like very cool. I never thought about the idea of telling a model, hey, you can tell me no, <laughs> it's fine. And then because the model wants to be very good because it's hourly shift and its purpose is to kind of support you, it will actually fall back to that instead of the hallucination for the next token. I, I found it very, very interesting. I, I wanted to share this as well. Um, Cloud 2.1 was also uh, fine-tuned for tool use. Right, so we've talked about OpenAI giving us functions and function decision, and we know for from the agents world that one of the things that agents need to do is select tools and tool use. And um, we've talked about how OpenAI fine-tuned, I think, on plugins and code interpreter specifically for tool use. We also talked about the combined mode that now we all have access to, where you know, in OpenAI at least, you get Dali, which is a tool, you get um, the code interpreter, you get Bing browsing. All these all these things are built in as tools. In addition to this, in the GPT world, you can also build an action, which is like an API interaction, which is a tool that you give it on the fly. And that model is like actually very good at understanding from the user which tool to use when. And so Entropic is moving slowly towards there. And we also saw, just coming back to open source a little bit, we also saw the same thing with function calling in, I think, uh, Technium's uh, um, Open Hermes 2.5. And that was trained partly on the Ouroboros uh, dataset. And that has a bunch of like function calling as well. So... Function calling in open source will also come, and uh, Anthropic Cloud released like a specifically talked about tool use, which is which is uh, very incredible. And I think that's mostly it. Cloud 2.1. I think the 200k context is only available for the premium users, and it's been not super easy for folks to get into their API, but it's possible now. You just need to like email their sales team. So if you've been waiting for the API for a long long time ago, you're still waiting. Try again. Just try again. They will give you access faster. Um, Actually, go ahead. You have comments on Claude? Oh, so yeah, one of uh, one of my contacts, one of my friends on Twitter, got access to Claude two point one, and they uh, needed testing. So this is not from me, but I saw their results firsthand, and they found out that after about hundred k context length, 
it becomes almost unusable for information retrieval or you know or similar uh, summarization or uh, similar tasks right so they use this method called as uh, needle in a haystack where they bury useful information uh, in a in a pile of useless information and then ask the model to retrieve it and then ask the model to summarize it stuff like that where chat gpt or you know the uh, chat gpt turbo model that we have right now performs really well for almost all the context length it can uh, accommodate cloud was really struggling after 100k context window so even when they have the number of 200k context length i'm not sure if it's usable for all the 200k context length Yes, we um, we actually going to add a tweet to the newsletter from Greg Kamrand, and there's some other folks as well that actually did pressure test, needle in a haystack testing, like all of these things for long context. And that's not necessarily true that if you provide it with 200K uh, tokens, you will be able to retrieve all the 200K. We've talked about this uh, previously in the area of like when context window, in the beginning of the year, I don't know if you guys remember, we had context windows like 3,000, 4,000 tokens max, right? And since then we like we blew through like 64K from I think Mosaic ML, and then uh, Claude came out with 100K, Yarn Paper for open source came out with like 100K basically, and... Uh, Context windows are grow- growing like crazy, but yeah, there's the the problem with like deep in the middle or missing from the middle, where you need to be aware of the fact that not every piece of tokens, not every token that you shove into the context window, the model will have access to in that attention. Attention is scarce, and uh, it doesn't. It's not spread evenly throughout the whole context. So I think uh, there's a few analyses of how to actually use these models for the better, where to place, and above which which amount of context. Um, of, of how many context windows, um, or I guess how many tokens, you will actually get a good good answer there as well. So definitely, definitely, thanks uh, uh, for adding this. Actually, uh, the fact that they have 200k doesn't mean that you will get the model to actually know about all the 200k. Uh, but it's still great because you're unlimited. Nistan, go ahead. Yeah, like if you use GPT-4, 128k. Just limit it to 64K and it's perfect at, at retrieval. It didn't make any mistakes or anything. It was after 64K that it started doing hallucinations. So I want to I wanna separate uh, retrieval with GPT-4. You can actually have like like a rag built in, right? So you're talking about like recall or something like that. I don't, I don't think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Recall, like, like you dumped in a big piece of code and you wanted to remember parts of it in the next answer. Uh, it started making mistakes and forgetting stuff after 64K. At 64K, anything you asked it, it was perfect at uh, at, at doing stuff. So I think that's a, great, uh, and again, that's a great comment, Nisten, because like there's the theoretical limit of how much the model will say no to you after. Right? If you if you shove 250,000 tokens, the model will just like choke and say no, I can't handle this. But also the the, the practical limit of how much context you actually get, it still grows, right? Like even the theoretical, if it's not full, the practical limit still grows. We're getting like access to 64,000. I think GPT-4 previously was 32, right? This was the maximum now. Uh, This was the maximum before uh, the turbo. And now we're getting like basically the practical limit is twice that at least, and it supports more with some stuff. And then with rag on top of it, you can get even more some stuff. So context window, yes. But again, remember folks, the more tokens you send, the more money it costs you, the slower the model is. So nobody cancels RAG yet. Nobody cancels the retrieval with vector databases. There's a plus and minuses to both. And I think we can use both for uh, for the most the, the best uh, user experience. Go ahead, Raj. 
Yeah, just wanted to add like this, um, uh, you know, context window has become a kind of a RAM thing now. Uh, you know, in old days, everybody wanted larger RAM capacity and and stuff like that. So this has become more like RAM. And, and you pointed out, so I immediately put down my hand because you pointed to the right thing is basically the cost of uh, operations is going to be the key decider rather than how much context window you have. Because what you need to really worry about when you start using APIs uh, for your business processes is the co running cost or the operating cost of, uh, of uh, uh, working with the APIs. Absolutely. Um, we want to say hi to our friend Yam that joined us on stage. And um, Yam, context window comments or uh, general comments? Uh, hi, how are you doing? Uh, no, I think that uh, you guys are spot on. Uh, context window is important. It's expensive. Uh, it's growing. And uh, yeah, uh, I think it's, uh, look, as, as far as I see, I don't have any, any basis, just a formal basis to say this, but my own feeling is that as you extend the context window, uh, the model have difficult times learning from all of it, if, if it makes sense. So I think that we, we are seeing larger, longer and longer context windows, but the models, as far as I think, uh, they are struggling to use uh, everything in their context window. Uh, this, is, this is my own feeling, it's not measured. Um, and it's interesting to see how we're going to tackle this, because probably there are papers and people working on it, and, uh, Commercial models obviously are improving it as well, and uh, it's going to be interesting. Interesting times. Yeah, absolutely interesting. And I think um, I think we saw a few papers that kind of talk about at least analyzing this and then trying to figure out how to like spread attention better with system to attention could could help there potentially. But also, I think um, like I said, like the practical limit also rises, even though like theoretical limit is not necessarily good. Like people are noticing with the pressure test and needle in the haystack like analysis. That the practical limit also rises, which is super cool. And I think everybody says that if we get 200k context window and it working perfectly across the whole context window, that's insane. For you know, that's great, and it's not um, it's not a limiting factor besides the cost, and so definitely great. Okay, moving on to another big company uh, known as Inflection. Inflection, we've talked about Inflection. They have the the Pi uh, personal assistant, and it's founded with uh, folks from. DeepMind and uh, Reid Hoffman from LinkedIn, who was also a chairman of OpenAI. There's a bunch of chairmen on that board that left recently. Like it's a, it's a very interesting kind of thing to follow. Uh, so they they released Inflection Two. Inflection Two, they say, is like the second most um, strongest LLM in its category. I don't know why they choose like that specific language, but it definitely outperforms Inflection One, outperforms Llama, outperforms Palm uh, and Grok and uh, some of the open source folks who we know and love are not very, very impressed and they actually don't love the way Inflection goes about their business. They train a foundational model that's kind of different as well. So if you interact with, with um, Pi and you ask it for some stuff, uh, it may say no to you or try to be very, um, how should I say, it doesn't seem like it's it's very fair to compare Inflection's model to a regular uh, instruction fine-tune model because what they fine-tune this or what they train this is a little different. But it's getting like some some results that are better on Hellaswag uh, datasets and and the Lambda and Arc challenge, like all these things. Um, so interesting from Inflection, and they're gonna add their Inflection two into 
Spotify. But it does seem like they released some stuff this week as, as everybody else was trying to look for alternatives for OpenAI. Uh, but definitely, I personally, and I've m mentioned this before, I enjoy talking to Pi. I enjoy talking to Pi in a different way than I enjoy ChatGPT's conversations. They, they do a different thing, and I love a different thing because, like, just in comparison, Pi was the only model that made me laugh ever. Uh, folks talk about Grok. Uh, I, I don't actually have access to Grok yet. Uh, but, you know, Grok's sense of humor, I definitely remember ChatGPT is kind of boring and dry in that sense. Even if you try to process with, like, <laughs> uh, give me some dad jokes, it will be like, meh. Uh, but Pi made me laugh out loud, like, unexpectedly. And to me, that's a very interesting kind of metric that's not in the evaluation and not in Hellswag. <laughs> if the model makes you laugh, it's not in the evaluations. So Inflection 2 is coming to Pi hopefully soon as well. And uh, worth a mention here. Uh, worth a tiny mention that Bard from Google is also getting some updates uh, and Bard specifically now can summarize YouTube videos. And um, I've played with this a little bit. It's not incredible, but it's very interesting that they're going there because obviously they have a collaboration with YouTube. YouTube has all of the videos. Not only that, they have a bunch of training data. They already do summarization, etc. Um, and I think it also, they talk about it's able to understand some of the videos, so not only transcription. Um, it can find objects in videos, etc. And I think we've covered 12 labs before, but we're definitely going to talk about 12 labs once we get to the vision area, because 12 labs is leading in this. And I think we covered this briefly, but they recently released like their foundation model, not open source, uh, but they talk about understanding of videos. I actually plug in our uh, meetup. I see Junaid in the audience. Hey, Junaid. Uh, yesterday we had our um, Tinker AI meetups. And folks, I encourage you, if you're like somewhere that's not San Francisco, and you want to talk to actual people and not only folks like avatars on us, like uh, digitally on X, uh, find a meetup like this or found one. Talk to me if you're interested in this. I have some thoughts uh, how to like help you scale and maybe support that kind of meetup with weights and biases. So if you're interested, you're somewhere else, and you want to organize like local meetups that talk like we talk right here, talk to me afterwards. And we had our meetup yesterday and um, Travis from uh, 12 Labs talked about their understanding. And so coming back from Bart can summarize YouTube videos, there is a company called 12 Labs that has no affiliation with 11 Labs, just they call 12 Labs. And they do this, they have a model that does this and it does incredibly. He showed us some cool demos. Um, and basically, eyes are coming. That's that's what he said. So if you're very interested in vision, uh, vision is one part. Then from vision to video, understanding there's another leap that has to happen. It looks like they did the leap. And I will probably have a deeper conversation with the 12 Labs folks because it's very, very interesting what they do. Uh, and Bart can show you some examples of this right now. And last week, I think we saw some folks, uh, uh, actually friends of the pod a little bit as well, Robert Lukoshko and some other folks who used the vision API that ChatGPT gave us to break a video down to frame by frame and then analyze this video. And uh, I, I don't know if you guys saw this viral thing where somebody narrates, uh, somebody took uh, David Attenborough's voice and then narrated everything they did on on the fly, like that, that, that thing, or they took like Steve Jobs' voice to give them uh, code reviews. So that actually takes frame by frame and tries to run and understand uh, what, what happens in the frame with GPT-4. That's stupidly expensive. Like you wouldn't be able to analyze videos of like two hours with that method. And that method has other problems. And it looks like 12 Labs has started to solve this. And, um, you know, Bard is getting in there as well. Um, but if you don't want to be in Bard, there's a, there's a way around this. Uh, actually, comments on the video understanding or uh, and as we move on to the video lava stuff. 
Oh, actually, I wanted to add something. Go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to add something to the pie thing. Yeah, that, go ahead. Uh, I remember how you said it made you laugh. I always wanted to say that uh, I find pie to have the highest level of empathy as an AI agent. Like, if I were to choose any of the, these AI, you know, chats to be my therapist, I would probably choose pie. That is something I wanted to mention. So Pi has two modes. Pi has the conversational mode full of empathy and has support Pi, which is actually what they're working on towards an actual kind of uh, assistant, therapy assistant. Yes. So if you are not sure about or if you can't afford therapy, uh, AI therapist is coming. And I think that Pi are working on that, which is very interesting to me that when they release their Inflection 2 model, they compare on Hellaswag and not on like the empathy score. Is there an empathy score? I don't know, but maybe there should be. Uh, so Freer, go ahead, and then Nista, and then Junaid. Did you say what I want to speak about video lava? Because that's what I was going to mention. Yes, video lava yeah, that's next. that's also what I want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, video lava is next. So Junaid, go ahead, and then we're going to talk about video lava in the vision section. Oh, yeah, I just wanted to um, jump in real quick and mention that uh, 12 Labs does have a, a free entry tier that you can, like, try it out or whatever. Um, and I got to say, that was one of the most impressive demos um, that, that he showed some of the stuff that, that he was able to do with searching video. Amazing. So we're not paid by them. They're just in any way, just like you guys know, right? Like we just got so, so excited when he showed the demo. The thing he showed in the demo was it's a search box, a bunch of videos that you index, pre-index before they embed them with their proprietary mechanism in the embedding. And then you can put those embeddings in the Chroma DB or whatever like embedding store you want to. And then they are able to do like basically a rag on top of videos and arrive at the precision point in the video. So he searched something that's like Goku eating a cloud. Okay, Goku eating a cloud. Like for many of you, the sentence may not make sense. For some of you who watch Dragon Ball Z know who Goku is, but I don't know if you like can visualize him eating a cloud. There's a scene where this character in this like um, Dragon Ball Z uh, manga, anime, whatever, eats a, a piece of a cloud. And that model can pull that out and tell you exactly the video in the index of when it happens. It's really kind of mind blowing. Like really, and really fast too. In a like, I, I I forget how many hours of footage were in the the pile that it was you know searching through, but it was pretty big. And in no time, it just here it is. Okay, so as as we're going to go to to video lava in just a second. One thing that they did say, and I think it's public now because he said this in a public way, their new, newer models in the, in the quarter or something is going to be real-time. So right now it indexes on the fly, and it's quite fast, but it's not super fast. It's coming to real-time. Real-time means webcam feed for video. Real-time means Twitch streams, like all these things. And they're API-based. They're not offering products on top of this. You, you guys here will build the product. So if there's a tip for you guys, as far as I'm able to do now, after doing this for eight months every week and try to understand where the stuff is going, you know that we've talked about GPT-4 Vision since March 14th. And now we're getting to the point where everybody gets GPT-4 Vision APIs and now we're doing like incredible things. Um, video is the next one. And I definitely, definitely see the same jump from nothing to image, from image to video as well. Because video has a bunch of stuff, has audio, it has uh, scenes, it has scene boundaries, it has all these things that he covered that's not not simply to do. And uh, yeah, you can start checking this out and thinking about applications that you would do with live feed of, of video or, or like um, access to this API. Which is also open source uh, video lava thing that does this to an extent. So let's um, let's talk about that 
Uh, Oops, I think we lost you there for a second. Can you get, can, yeah, I was getting called. Can you hear me now? Yeah, there you, there you are. Yeah, so uh, uh, Tafrir, go ahead about video lava. Talk, talk about video, video lava and then Nistan join. Yeah, not much to tell. It works as published. Uh, not very well yet. I thought it on a video and asked it a little bit what's going on. Gave it, uh, give, us, give us some context because lava, well, I think people know. But, right, right. Yeah. So, lava, I don't remember the whole family tree of models that it's built on, but it's part of the whole open source effort for creating excellent LLMs and that resulted in Lama and Lava is Lama with vision and it started with vision for um, images similar to GPT for vision. I'm sure many of you from the listeners went through the same route I did. So you start using GPT for vision, you like it, you run out water immediately. And then you try the open source models to do the same thing. I, so I can recommend Lava and Backlava. Backlava is a bit better in, tuned for instructions. And now we are saying Lava video. So there's a hugging space or a hugging face space where you can try it out. Uh, you give it a video, you can ask a question and it does a nice attempt at answering the question. Uh, so it's able to recognize in the video what is going on. Still not in excellent quality, but as we are seeing in new technologies, we know like from GPT-12 to GPT-4, a lot has changed. So this is really amazing to see this direction. We also uh, maybe already mentioned to OpenAI, which also have efforts in this field. And the st stability AI also have been released this week or last week. Um, We're going to get there. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. So, so video lava. Think, think that's a good place. Absolutely. Thank you, Tafir. Uh, Nissan, just uh, a sec before. We have uh, a Skalski Peter. I pinned it to the top of the space from Roboflow. He joined Thursday a couple of times. He is like the vision person that we have. And uh, in addition to Tafir and I, who we all have vision, uh, it looks like we're all becoming vision people right now with the open uh, AI uh, vision APIs. So Lava and Baklava from obviously from Skunks Works and um, our folks here on stage, Nistin is involved with this as well. Uh, Cog VLM and then Quen VL. Quen is the Chinese model that it looks like their VL uh, vision model is like really, really good. And some of the video stuff is still doing kind of the same kind of frame by frame understanding. And so I pinned the double space, the analysis that Roboflow did for like all the alternatives for at least the vision part. Um, and the video is very, very interesting because that's the next frontier, right? The video is not only a few images in succession. There's a bunch more stuff that happens within the video. Uh, Nisten, go ahead. Yes, sir. I've been working on trying to get real-time video, working with uh, Baklava uh, for about a month now. And I won't say the name of the person, but you know, because we both interviewed him uh, half a year ago. But I, I spoke with that person this this Monday, so there might be something cooking there. And I'm just glad I've been speaking for a couple of weeks so that it wasn't just... Uh, uh, accidental as it happened with the whole open AI drama like this had been in the talks for a while mm. but yeah th there are there are some challenges in in getting these uh, lava models to so the raw models they're okay uh when we trained 
Balklava, we just swapped it with Mistral and Lion help, helped a lot in that and it can generalize better. So it's just smarter because of the language side. Uh, Coin and Cog VLM add stuff that we don't have. They add, uh, uh, like you can draw squares very accurately of where the objects are on screen. And I think there's some kind of OCR or something go going on, uh, which our model doesn't have. Now, we're doing it for video. It's uh, it, this has been pretty pretty tough because I've been trying to get it to work with uh, Core ML, so that involves completely redoing the entire uh, clip encoder from OpenAI and Lion, and uh, uh, there has been some efforts there to uh, to sparsify it and uh, to run it in eight bit with like mixed precision. So anyway, that stuff is coming. It's in the works. I think maximum will be a couple of months before people just have uh, video LLMs on, on their own devices and they can just point them around and they'll be able to tell stuff. So that, that's coming very fast. And honestly, I think I would even just give it a couple of months before it can start being incorporated into self-driving. So I'm going to make that mm -hmm. prediction now. Like this is going to start happening very very fast yep it's about uh, because to take it's, off. it's possible it's just really slow uh right now so they can only offer it with an api and just run it on all dgx clusters it's really expensive mm -hmm. but once it's local things is about to change like portable robotics for people at home will be much easier i will also say uh two things thank you Nistan. absolutely waiting for that unnamed person to drop the unnamed thing but also i am in complete agreement with you like folks should watch out it's going to hit us like like super fast like very 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 quick we're gonna have video understanding uh and hopefully video is like a whole beast in terms of like storage as well so there's gonna be a lot of involvement there um i happen to know some folks who built video products <laughs> like video translation and storage etc so anyway a video is coming one point from uh, technium and i think news uh, there's a video model on top of uh open Hermes that's going to come out hopefully this next week and we're going to wait for that and going to talk about this and apparently that's, that's also going to be very interesting and some other folks as well um go ahead raj and then luigi uh welcome yeah just just to add uh not to miss on the google meet announcement where they have done the new hand gesture so basically um uh i was talking to some some of the gcp guys and uh it's basically the same library that is going to work on the YouTube videos. So it's a, it's what is kind of in a normal uh, language used as video comprehension library, basically. So that is probably going to be driver. So we can expect some major announcements from Google in, in coming days on, on specifically on the video uh, understanding uh, by the models. Yeah, Google has the data. What's up, Luigi? Uh, and just a little comment, Raj, you had a little feedback or like a sound coming through, maybe like a microphone change. Uh, Luigi, welcome. Happy Thanksgiving, buddy. Hi, welcome. And um, I think you maybe misspoke earlier. You said Noose is coming out with a, a video model, but we're just coming out with a vision model. No, no, I said vision. Right yeah, now. I said vision. Just... Yeah, vision. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying. Um, and then... When's that uh, happening, also, by I the wanted way? To... Um, hopefully within the next couple of weeks. Okay. Um, but besides that, uh, I was actually just wanting to mention that uh, Meta actually did release, I'm not sure if they released the model themselves or, or like the, the model awaits itself, but they released a paper 
just, I want to say a month or two ago, actually called animal, but like, it's not spelled like animal, but like A-N-Y-M-A-L. And uh, that model actually does have a video and it's actually a Llama 70B model with uh, video capabilities and it can understand like an Avengers video clip and understand like the different superheroes that are showing throughout the video and uh, like a lot of cool different video understanding. So if anybody's interested, you should check that out. There's like so many applications of this that like, you know, uh, just like the mind boggles in terms of like, what can we build with this cool technology once it's like real time and open source and, uh, or if you get an API key to like 12 labs, like there's so, so many cool things in there. So folks in the audience who maybe built a chat with PDF wrapper and then open the icon of rug, you know, took you away from this. If you want to build another wrapper, now's the time to do this with video, do this quick before everybody else like uh, implement this everywhere and then very very quickly you may stand to benefit go ahead luigi is something else i think is really interesting about that same model that i'm talking about that you know a lot of people aren't mentioning is that it's able to take in video as input but they also very interestingly added uh emotion sensor input capabilities and so they gave an example in the paper of you know, like you take a picture or a video of like the, you know, you, the bridge that's outside and then you send it to your friend or like you ask the AI to like send the picture or the video to your friend. Then while the AI is doing that, it has the motion sensor video that it can tell you're on a bike, even though the, the video or image doesn't show a bike at all. And then it ends up sending a message to your friend like, hey, I'm riding on my bike in this location. Like, look at this view. And so like different applications like that, I think they don't have the weights open yet because that's probably maybe something they plan on implementing into mobile devices or something like that where it can have those capabilities. So we haven't mentioned uh, a lot about kind of uh, humane pin. I think we talked about this a little bit, but we definitely talked about wearable devices with cameras. We've talked about multimodal uh, meta glasses that they released. Um, and, the, you know, you'd be able to hold a finger to your like um, glass and they will take a picture and be multimodal and understand stuff. But the more we get into this field of understanding real-time video, the more we'll see people walking out with cameras and their like AI assistants will essentially join them in real life. So that's what happens with like a Tesla. If you drive a Tesla, there's a bunch of cameras record all the time and there's an inference that happens. It currently works for the purposes of self-driving. But I absolutely see this in robotics, right? Imagine like real-time video understanding. You you put it on a robot and you basically start having a robot that can do stuff and understand the real world. And so we're going to see a lot of applications for real-time video understanding and it's going to be very incredible. It's going to come very, very soon, folks. So we're going to keep you updated on all of these. And now I think it's time to move to voice. I think voice is a, a very interesting category and has a bunch of updates that we're going to talk about just briefly. And then, um, and then we're going to talk about diffusion stuff. And then we're going to say thanks with one cool demo that I'll pin. And then, yeah. So let's move to voice. And also, really quick, I'm I'm incredible. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I can put this on the background. Go ahead. I'm just incredibly excited what this will do for farming. Uh, literally, anyone with a greenhouse anywhere in the world can now just like buy a MacBook Air for 700 bucks and get that to manage the whole greenhouse and run like a little lava model and get it to check the plants and ask it when to water them and, and all of that. And it'll all be open source too, so they don't have to worry about patents and that stuff. So it's 
it's going to make a massive impact. Again, yeah, we, we don't know what's what's coming, but it's going to be, this is huge. It's huge and it's coming yeah. soon. All right, let's move the voice. All right, so the first thing in voice we already covered, but we're going to briefly say this again for folks who just joined us or folks who like didn't listen to that part. Um, open AI, edit voice to all the free accounts in ChatGPT. So if you have an app, with ChatGPT, you're now able to talk, and you don't pay the 20 bucks, which you should. Uh, you're now able to, to talk to GPT, and this interaction model is incredible. It's incredible specifically because you can give it to kids. Kids cannot type. But also yourself, you can stop typing and you can start like thinking about this. The very interesting thing that comes with that like interaction model is my understanding that the models don't have temporal understanding. So... Literally, my example, I think I've talked about this uh, previously on Thursday, I, I I wanted to make borscht, my mom's like best recipe, Ukrainian borscht, and uh, I asked her GPT and it told me, uh, with voice, right? So like, uh, imagine the picture, I'm in headphones, I'm driving, I'm in the store, I'm asking, hey, what should I get? It says, you should get this and this and this and this and this. And the biggest problem with that mode of interaction is something I call STS, like speech, uh, speed talk syndrome. Uh, you're trying to speed, to, to speak very fast, so that the automatic speech recognition will not stop and send whatever you just said to the to the voice assistant, right? So there's this this thing that happens. You have to talk and you have to not stop for a breath uh, in order for it to like wait for you to complete the sentence. So we're gonna fix that somehow. The UX is going to get fi fixed there. However, you're you you can walk around the store and ask it for ingredients and it'll tell you. And you, okay, you go pick up this ingredient. Then you go to your car. You're still talking with this, like it's like basically calling like a friend. Uh, and then you can ask like the, the preparations. And the the main thing that uh, there is, first of all, conversations are longer. You're not in front of a computer or a phone typing, so conversation can be like very long. You actually can run out of GPT-4 uh, allotment very very quick there. But also, it doesn't have any temporal understanding. So one example that I found is. Cooking takes a while, right? So you cut the vegetables, you cut, you do all these things, and then you need to boil water. And humans understand the boiling water as a task that takes five to ten minutes, whatever, how long it ta takes. But the model does not understand this. So literally every time it said, hey, you need to stop boiling water, it's like, okay, I'm boiling water. And there's like, the next answer of it was, well, is the, is the water boiling yet? <laughs> Just one second passed since the previous question that you asked me, GPT. It doesn't have temporal understanding. I think it will have. Uh, my tip for that is I just asked it for a quiz or something like related to this, some activity. I just didn't want it to like hang up and then pick it up again. But uh, that mode is just so, so interesting. I literally like was in the store and then driving in the back home, like cooking with it. And uh, now everybody gets this for free. So thank you again, uh, OpenAI, for like letting us to, to have this mode. Um, in addition to voice, we got this new incredible thing from Eleven Labs which is 11 Labs released uh, a model that does speech-to-speech. So text-to-speech is what OpenAI does and gave us uh, an API to, and OpenAI just like released the voice interaction, but uh, that's text-to-speech. Basically, consider LLM generates text, and then they run it through like a speech generator, and then it generates voice, and you hear the voice, right? Um, the problem with that is the model decides on the intonation and the delivery and the pauses and all of the all of these things not to mention stuff like me i have a weird accent as you guys probably know uh ukrainian israeli accent like it's it's not very common and so what happens when i clone my voice these models don't have me specifically in their data set of training so my voice sounds british 
And like, I wish I'd be able to talk like this, but I'm not. And <laughs> uh, so what happens with like text to speech for cloned voices or just generally like the dynamic voices is that the model decides on the delivery. And so here comes 11 labs with basically something called like a speech to speech, or I've heard another company uh, talk about this as recast, where you can take your voice snippet or somebody else's voice snippet, and you can feed that into the model that generates the voice. And it will generate that exact intonation, basically this acting and the same pauses, the same emotions, the same like dramatic effects, the same like all of these things, the same accent, I think, as well. Although I'm not sure about accent because it does change the voice. It will take the speech and turn it into, into another speech. And that's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy specifically for the purposes of acting, for the purposes of, you know, just animating like videos. Um, we're going to talk about, and uh, unfortunately it's a free left, but we're going to talk about uh, the Stable Diffusion video as well. And for AI content production, that mode is insane. Like you don't have to be uh, David Attenborough, but you can be David Attenborough's delivery, right? So like, um, I think it's very, very cool from 11 Labs and you guys should try it out. I think it's free. You can try it out for free. You can just speak to a microphone. It will speak in your voice. And I have a demo of this that I'll post, uh, I'll post as well. Um, folks on stage, any comments on the speech to speech? It's pretty cool. Anybody try this? Junaid, you heard me yesterday with my two examples. What do you think? Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I haven't tried it myself yet, but uh, I, I do have my Eleven Labs account, so I'll be giving it a, a whirl. Um, I like the idea of it, especially for uh, yeah, like I, I for instance, am listening to a book by Alan Watts right now, and it's being recited by somebody who's not Alan Watts. And I just keep thinking, I want to take this whole thing and beat it into 11 labs so that I can listen to Alan Watts's book in Alan Watts's awesome voice. So yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty good. Uh, I've been using 11 labs, other stuff for a while now, and it's, uh, it's going to be neat to sort of be a voice, be able to have like a voice acting, um, scenario like in the same way that you can be a, a motion capture actor um you people will be able to do voice acting and then wear uh you know Somebody's, whoever morgan freeman's morgan voice freeman, yeah and so people actually do this right there's like uh copycats and folks like who do imitations well but now we're basically all can do imitations just by like knowing the delivery um well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so, and it's and it's like a straight one-to-one -one process too. It's not like a, a, a hack together way of doing it. You can just go one voice to one voice, and pretty pretty neat. So, in the spirit of thanking, thank you, Eleven Labs, for releasing this to us and letting us play with this for free. Uh, and it's pretty cool. You guys should check it out. Uh, Roman, you had a, you wanted to come up. You had a comment about uh, voice stuff, Eleven Labs. Uh, yeah, I want to say that your demo, wow, what you played with it, it was much better. Like the difference between what the model synthesizes uh, just by itself, if you give it just text. And this seems to be the problem with lots of text-to-speech models. I've played with lots of them. Um, and the difference between the speech-to-speech -speech compared to that is that there's a lot of things that we say that are sort of like idioms, uh, like they come out almost as one statement just by themselves. Uh, in your example, you had the Nessus Thursday I, blah, 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 right? And then like the cadence is just, it's such a big difference. Um, like for me, one thing that I think is a use case that's maybe a bit more practical than like, like I don't really do a ton of um, like putting together plays or whatever, you know? 
Uh, one thing that I think is useful for me is I record some audio while taking a walk or whatever. I'm trying to do some sort of demo and I don't have the best sort of setup. And then I use the model that I, I have that maybe I did put a bunch of effort into to get good quality audio. And I just recast it into that so that I can have a good quality narration for my video. Wow, dude. So you can, like so that. basically what you're saying is I need to get all the expert speakers on Thursday eye on good microphones just once to then record the digital voice of them. And then whatever crappy quality Twitter gives me from the Twitter spaces recording, I could just like run through it and it will like, all of us will sound incredible. I love this. <laughs> I love this. I didn't think about this. Thank you, Roman. Um, Ray, you had a comment on this as well and somebody who, who played with this? I haven't played around with it too much because I was actually trying to see if I could tweak my voice to sound like a, like a really fancy narrator. Uh, and Linus posted this really cool story about OpenAI using uh, GPT-4 to narrate it. So I was just kind of working on uh, getting it transcribed either in the voice of Johnny Ive or some really epic uh, British voice. Love that. Love that. Um, so definitely check out uh, Speech to Speech from 11 Labs. It's super, super cool. Play, play around with this, like build it, build your own voice, whatever. Uh, one thing on voice real quick that we have, uh, Whisper CPP, once uh, OpenAI's API were down, some people are using the Whisper API from uh, OpenAI, although I don't know why you would. Uh, OpenAI gave us Whisper for free and many folks are running this on inference, like Gladia folks and Assembly and like all these people running them, I think one, I want to say faster than OpenAI. So I don't know why you would go to OpenAI specifically. However, uh, Whisper CPP now allows you to do this. And if you run Whisper CPP on like a cloud or in your computer, it exposes a drop-in-like replacement for the API server for Whisper. So if you have code that runs with OpenAI API with Whisper, but you know they have downtime, Whisper.cpp from Georgi Gerganov, shout out to the GOAT or GGOAT. Uh, now Whisper CPP exposes like a very comparable drop-in replacement for that API. So you can run this on like CPU instead of GPUs, etc. Uh, so definitely, if you're into voice, do this. I think we're moving to AI art and diffusion because we're coming up to almost two hours here. And just a recap for everybody who just recently joined, welcome to this uh, Thursday I Thanksgiving special space. Thursday I is a weekly news, Twitter space and then a newsletter and a podcast hosted by yours truly and some very good friends on stage, experts in their different fields where we talk about everything AI related every week, everything important. So we stay up to date so you don't have to. And we cover stuff like, uh, obviously, OpenAI drama this week, but also open source LLMs, big companies and their APIs. We cover vision and we cover voice. And now we're moving into uh, a good, uh, very, very uh, full uh, category today with AR, art and diffusion. And uh, we're going to start with stable video diffusion because, folks, this week was insane and every week is insane last week was insane this week so the drama was kind of crazy but the drama let's say finished on kind of monday let's say so the week only started and then folks from stability diffusion dropped a bomb and this bomb is heavy so we've talked previously in the vision area about understanding videos but what about the other side so we've talked about multimodality before multimodality can be input and output so a model can understand videos and text the model can also output text and, and images in this case DALI for example on the output and understanding with vision on the input so that's a uh, MMIO multimodal input and output model so the same as videos we now have video lava and uh, 12 labs uh, on the API level that understand videos what about generating videos so we've seen a few attempts from multiple folks obviously there's runway ml there's pico labs there's like some some other folks generate videos with AI provided only text or maybe an image 
and stable uh, stability AI, the guys who gave us Stable Diffusion, the best open source image generator out there, SDXL, um, now released to us a video version of that. And it's so cool. It's so cool because previous attempts at this were very similar to the previous attempts at understanding videos frame by frame, actually. Uh, folks generated one image based on a text provided with SDXL, and then they tweaked some parameters, maybe some latent space adjustments, and then generated the same video with the previous video frame as a reference from image to image. And this is how folks used to generate videos. So if you so far vid uh, uh, seen AI video generations, you probably saw that the the subject or, and almost every object in the scene changes from frame to frame. It's kind of freaky, but it's kind of cool. But it's not really like... A, what you expect from a video production company, that the same character changes from frame to frame. And so Stable Diffusion Video is a different attempt at this, and the consistency from frame to frame is incredible. Consistency of the objects, the objects are basically the same. Um, and uh, it moves, so it's very short, you can only generate like, like three seconds or so, um, which is probably a limitation of these models still, but in the test that Stability AI did, the folks preferred Stability AI on top of uh, Runway ML, which is a paid product, um, and the folks preferred it on top of Pika as well. And so I played with Stable Diffusion, Video Diffusion. You can try it right now. It, it probably there's a hug and face space for it. There's a file space for it, which we're gonna pin also. Uh, we're actually gonna send this out in the newsletter. And yeah, Stable Video Diffusion is coming. Uh, uh, generated videos. If you were thinking, hey, there's so much AI generated imagery there. Just imagine how much AI-generated videos are coming now that Stable Diffusion released it open source. Um, they did release this only for research purposes license, so you cannot use this for getting paid still. Uh, so it's very interesting because they did release Stable Diffusion back then with, a, I think, an open license. Um, but it's really cool. It's really cool, and the videos are going, and they're going great, and some people already do upscaling. And the tooling that we're going to see from the open source community like everything else, stability releases, the open source community embraces and builds tooling around this, whether it's Comfy UI or automatic web UI, automatic 111, uh, all these things. Um, video is coming, and it's coming fast as well uh, on the output. Folks on stage, comments on stable video? I think we had Sofrir, unfortunately, he had to leave. I know he wanted very deeply to talk about this. Anybody try stable video, saw some images and want to comment? And if not, we can skip over. Um, Okay, I have another comment then. Uh, another thing that, that they do is this model, specifically the video model, is able to generate 3D. How? They've trained it with a bunch of videos of images. Um, you know how you can you can look at a 3D object that like it rotates and there's a video of a 3D object as it rotates? So you can then prompt this model to generate stuff like this. You can, gen you can ask it to generate like a Batman whatever uh, image and then ask it to rotate. I actually don't know how to prompt this in text, but I've seen a bunch of examples. It just rotates, and already people are doing nerfs from it. So we've talked about nerfs uh, before, neural image radio fields, radiance fields, um, which basically is the ability to extract 3D scenes from images or videos. So people are already using this video diffusion mode to generate nerfs and actual 3D scenes from it, which is kind of crazy that all of this works in, in consortium. Uh, and... We're probably going to cover more things in this area. This feels foundational. This feels like the start of this, whereas previously only the models that we were able to actually use were some from Google never released, some from uh, um, 
Meta released a video model kind of sneak preview and did never release this. And then um, the commercial places like Runway ML and Pika Labs. And now we have an open source one. Go ahead, Junaid. I missed that it can do 3D objects. Um, I've been messing around a little bit with Genie, the, the Luma, Luma Labs um, text to 3D. And yeah, this is pretty exciting. I didn't realize that, that the new stable diffusion or this new stable release uh, had had a 3D so it doesn't, object capability. It doesn't, like, it doesn't have this object <laughs> capability. It doesn't spit out an object. What it does is it gives you a video of that object rotates in 3D space. But then people use that video with nerves to actually like like get out an object out of it. So I'll I'll, I'll add the link to this, but it's like pretty uh, crazy. Okay, okay. Yeah. So it doesn't like give you a three D object, but it gives you a short video of this object rotating, basically a video. It looks really really good. Um. So the, some examples of those three D are really good. Um. I think that stable video and some nerfs stuff. And the additional thing I want to add is AI art and diffusion. Last week, if you guys remember, we've talked with folks from uh, TL Draw. And we've also mentioned that there is a LCM type thing. LCM is latent consistency model. Basically, it's a it's a way to constrain the generation of stable diffusion with a specific kind of constraint that's super, super, super fast. And by super fast, I mean like less than 100 milliseconds or so fast. And so there's all these like demos that are flying around of people like drawing and in one window and by that side, the another window has like a real-time generation of whatever they draw. And then we also saw multiple folks build this into their products crea ai uh, are, are friends of, of mine i don't know if they ever been to the pod uh they they built it into a product and like the internet exploded with their demos and the folks that we did host last time with tl draw if you guys remember with the vision stuff uh we've talked about their make real button they've collaborated and now tl draw also has lcm latent consistency where you can draw on their whiteboard and to the right window you'll see like a live generation based on what you're drawing um, and we saw for the past week just so many new innovative ways of people doing this because um, even on Hugging Face, there's a there's a free space right now that you can do this LCM thing, and it allows you using the Web Capture API, which is a thing you can share your screen. So people are sharing their screens of like Blender, the 3D modeling um, software. People are sharing their screens of like their iPad, like just like AirPlaying to their Mac, where they can draw with a pencil, and they will actually have a generation. So people are like sketching and this generation happens on the fly. And it's really like something remarkable about the real timeliness of this where we got to a point like after a year and a few months that we get a real time image generation based on input. Uh, the same will probably happen with video very, very soon. And uh, yeah, folks are putting this on their webcam. So you, you turn on your webcam and it looks like a filter, but it's not. It's like really every frame, it generates a stable diffusion model based on your input. Uh, for every frame so you move and kind of like it changes but it's like super freaking cool based on the prompt that you give so i really really encourage you guys if you're uh thanksgiving you have like nieces nephews kids whatever play around with this with them just show them the gift of like what ai is going to be about because this is going to be a big part of their world this lcm thing uh is uh, is live on tl draw it's live on foul AI and then hugging face as well for free. You can just play around with this, open your webcam and start like portraying out scenes. Um, connect this to the video diffusion model, connect this to the speech-to-speech uh, -speech stuff and the world of entertainment is going to get very interesting very soon. So that's LCM. And I think that's also all the updates that we have for this week besides this one thing that I wanted to talk to you about. 
which came out this week, and it's I think the the hottest trending repo on GitHub. Somebody used a very similar thing to like the TL draw stuff that we talked about. Uh, somebody built something called a screenshot to HTML, and basically this thing is using GPT-4 Vision. You provide it with a screenshot of a UI, and it starts generating that HTML for that UI on the fly for you. It really, it's really hard to explain how cool this is. It's really something the video, or you have to try it for yourself. Uh, you provide it with your own key, and you basically give a screenshot. Let's say you guys are watching this on Twitter Spaces, probably on on X uh, app or web app. If you take a screenshot of this, you can feed this to the screenshot to HTML and just get a live HTML version of this. As somebody who used to build a lot of CSS and HTML in, in his day, watching this just like brings me so much joy because it's a pain to build these interfaces. People spend like a lot of times and now we have a machine that does this so we can focus on logic and then we have a machine that will do logic so we're going to focus on the creativity part. It really, really, really makes me happy and thankful to see that some something can do HTML like a, at least like way, 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 way faster than me with the same uh, level of quality. So um, yeah, screenshot to HTML, it's on GitHub, it's free. You can download this, you can provide your own key and then you can start churning out like HTML designs uh, or I guess you can uh, screenshot things and then generate HTML. Uh, Junaid, go ahead and then Ray and then we'll, we'll say thanks and we'll, we'll, we'll conclude the space. Yeah, just sort of a, a related thing that um, I was playing around with the other day is trace.zip. And it is uh, like text to iOS, um, iOS code, like layout code. So you can say something like, oh, create an audio player view and, and then iterate on that. Like, oh, add some 15 forward buttons, forward, backward buttons, and it'll do that. Uh, and it's, it's not doing, it's not the same same kind of a process where it's using vision, um, but it is using like this, uh, this behind the scenes, it's got GPT-4, I believe, um, checking the code and running the code. And then it boots up a simulator and shows you the, uh, shows you the outcome. And then you can just iteratively design by adjusting your prompt, like actually add a, a, a sound button on the, on the bottom or a sound bar on the bottom. So I can adjust my, my volume does it. So pretty neat. It's incredible the times we're living in. V0 from Vercel. Vercel is this, if you guys don't know, you're not front of developers, Vercel is a way to like host apps. has a V0. Ray, have you played with V0? Yes, I have access to V0. It's really cool um, because it just allows you to um, make little components and based off of React slash Next JS, uh, it's invented by Vercel. And um, what's really great about them is they're really pushing the boundaries of UI and backend as well. And they just actually, I was going to add to that soul, same thing. They just announced a similar thing where you can take a screenshot and give it to their, uh, they're still hacking away. They haven't really re uh, released it to the private beta yet, um, but kind of the same thing. So instead of making HTML, you can just make the components you want to make uh, and then add it to your site, which makes it extremely extensible. Um, lots of people are using it to generate like, you know, UI glyphs or sign-in pages or things that look like, you know, the components that go into web apps. Uh, and you can even make a very simple web app using this and just deploy it to Vercel immediately. Yeah. And, uh, okay, so so I, I was able to, like, I was wanted to, to close the space, but now I see Rick in the audience. And also there's two more announcements in the AI art and diffusion. So one of them is shout out to Cloudflare uh, and Ricky, uh, uh, welcome. 
Uh, Cloudflare just released two new things to their AI stuff. And previously we've covered this before in the Thursday AI space, if you guys remember. Uh, one of them is Stable Diffusion. So now you can like inference Stable Diffusion from Cloudflare. That's great. And I think another one is Mistral and some other AI stuff that you can like run inference on their cloud. Uh, but additionally, one thing that I pinned to the top of the space is our great, great friend of the pod, Nathaniel Ruiz, uh, who we, you guys maybe remember we've talked about um, from GarageBand. There are like three folks who, who built um, Platypus, uh, which was like the top of the... Luigi, you remember? I think it was Platypus, right? From uh, Nathaniel and Friends. Um, and then Orca, yeah, Orca, yeah. Orctipus, which like uh, in, together with Lyman Labs, they did like the, the, the good 13B. So Nathaniel is like uh, from Google, but he, he collaborated on LLMs. His basic thing is DreamBoof, or like the main thing he's known about is DreamBoof, which is a way to train diffusion models to do, before LoRa's were a thing, to train diffusion models on specific objects, new objects that the model doesn't understand. So today, breaking news, uh, they, they released ZipLoRa, which is a concept of merging different LoRa's. So again, LoRa is the concept, uh, if you never tried stable diffusion before or never like tr visited Civit AI, um, there's a way to not retrain the whole model with a process called LoRa, where you can like add concepts to it on top of this model that will generate stuff that, you know, your specific cat, for example, right? You, you can call it Skippy, and then you can add this, or you want a specific thing or a specific style. And LoRa's are a very like, uh, parameter efficient way to train these models, uh, to continue training these models, and then pass just the LoRa file that could be very, very small. Uh, we then heard about LoRa's in LLMs as well, but they came from like the diffusion world. And... Um, Everybody trains their own LoRa's on different things. Imagine like, um, I think there's a, a Lego box LoRa that everything you put in is a Lego box. There's a Le um, IKEA instruction manual LoRa where everything you input there will give you like an IKEA instruction manual for it, which is like really, really super fun to, to play with. And um, they have come up with a way to combine different LoRa's. So a content LoRa, for example, of your dog and then a, a, an image, style image, and then they came out with this way. I haven't played with this, but I know Nathaniel and his team are doing great things. So shout out to them and thank you. And we're probably going to cover this deeply maybe next week. So Ziplora, check it out. And uh, definitely Vercel and Vision is coming soon. I haven't played with this yet, but hopefully they'll announce and let us play with this. So these are like the, the follow-ups on the AI art and diffusion, screenshot to HTML. And I think we are just around two hours uh and i think it's time to say thank you all thank you thank you thank you for coming thank you luigi for being here uh almost every week since uh uh helped me co-host this thank you ray uh, ray a huge thanks for you because if folks are hearing me better that's a lot of this is because of ray and, and his suggestions so uh, i can also do st stuff like this and I can talk over music. I can record the multi-channel of this. Uh, thank you, Roman, for joining us and giving us like your expertise. Actually, thank you so much, brother. It's great seeing you here. Junaid has been here from the start, and we're co-organizing the Thursday I space in Denver. Uh, sorry, th not Thursday I. I talk about Thursday I there, but this is the AI Tinkers event in Denver. So if you're in Colorado, you want to meet people like yourself, where you can talk about AI. You're welcome. If you know people in Colorado, but you're not in Colorado, tell them to join as well. And the last one was really, really great. Um, I want to shout out Andrew in the audience, founder of Spaces Dashboard, for this incredible gift he gave me uh, of the preparation of the imagery for this Thanksgiving special. And just all of you who listen, who tune in from uh, week to week, who talk about AI, who are participating in the Thursday AI community, who follow the, the, the hosts and you know boost them up on social media. 
And just like a huge thanks for everybody who works on AI, who provides to us these tools, this incredible time we get to live in. And uh, yeah, I'm very, very, very happy to keep talking about this. And I guess we'll see you here next week. Uh, the podcast and newsletter will get sent soon. And then it's time for Turkey or whatever your vegetarian version of that is, like me. And with that, thank you. Happy holiday for everybody who celebrates. And we'll see you here next week. Cheers. <laughs>